0: hello everyone and welcome to the protagonist podcast where each week we look at a great character in a great story i'm Dorowski, and this week we're discussing the toys from the stuff of legend and joining us for the discussion is returning guest nicole freim welcome back nicole
1: Hi, glad to be back.
0: And as I said, we're talking about the toys from the Stuff of Legend, because I don't know who the protagonist is. We will talk about that after we do the plot summary. (laughs) This is very much an ensemble piece. Yes. So the Stuff of Legend, which I'm going to guess most of our listeners are not familiar with. It is a fairly successful graphic novel series. It's put out multiple issues and multiple volumes of a graphic novel, you know, issues that were then collected into uh, at this point, five volumes, I believe um, of the stuff of legend, but it is uh, a story by uh, Mike rat and Brian Smith with illustrations by Charles Paul Westover and design and colors by John Conkling and Michael DeVito published by third world studios. And it tells the story of the boogeyman taking a child into the dark And his toys go on a rescue mission. Mm -hmm. That's the basic premise. And this is one of those instances where it's called The Stuff of Legend. (laughs) And it's about (laughs) toys on an epic quest. And it's either we thought of the title and found a story to fit it. Or we had a story and found the perfect title (laughs) that no one will question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Once it's called The Stuff of Legend. Um, Nicole, do you remember when you first came to The Stuff of Legend?
1: I didn't, I, I got the collected, uh, the collected edition Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, book one, the dark, I, I saw that in a, in, in a comic book store and, and picked that up. I had not been buying like the individual issues. Um, so I think this was, Ooh, gosh, I don't, honestly, I don't. So the the first collection
0: did come out in 2010, so it's been going for a bit. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, so around then, around then. Yeah. Um, and it was, I'm, uh, uh, well, a big fan of, of the whole, the toy, (laughs) the toys, uh, have a life of their own. I mean, going back to stuff like, you know, the Velveteen Rabbit and things like that. So, Mm -hmm. so this was sort of right up my alley.
0: Do you remember a Jim Henson Christmas special about toys on Christmas? Oh, vaguely. That's another one that I I remember that must have been on like one of our VHS tapes tapes of Christmas specials when I was growing up. No one else seems to remember it. It must have just gotten into our rotation because it was recorded with something else that was in the regular rotation. But I remember like when Toy Story happened, I'm like this feels a lot like that Jim Henson story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was um, in third grade, actually. I was in a play, our class play, Christmas play, and I don't remember the title of it. I don't remember if it was like a, something someone had written or if my teacher wrote it or what, but the two leads were me, last year's rag doll, and John, who played last year's Teddy Bear, and we were having this sort of existential crisis because we were worried that our children would get new toys for Christmas and we would be forgotten. Well, so then, years later, Toy Story comes out, and I'm like, oh uh, my god!
0: <laughs> well, I I just pulled it up. the The special I was kind of remembering is called "The Christmas Toy," uh, and it includes a character named Rugby the Tiger who remembers being the Christmas toy last year and thinks he's going to be unwrapped into the Christmas tree again this year. But instead, another toy is opened, and this warrior toy becomes the favorite. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> or it's like I, if I remember right, like the quest. It's the crest of uh, of Rugby to unwrap or or get into the the package and he unwraps a warrior princess toy kind of thing <laughs> this is no. from nineteen eighty eighty six uh, <laughs> and tries to take take its place under the tree <laughs> so yeah, it's, some of that existential angst seems to mm-hmm. run through the toy stories, which we do get in this first issue of the stuff of legend as well. yes, yes. some of this ideas of uh being forgotten or passed down uh by my would... children.
1: I was really trying to, uh, I think, sort of expand my reading because a lot of my reading in comics focuses on superheroes. And so I was – that's the other reason why I was very – I was interested in this because I was trying to sort of branch out, right, Mm -hmm. things that aren't strictly,
0: you know, for color. So I cannot remember where I picked up the first volume. There's a couple – small not like full comic-con things but smaller things that uh but i know i met one of the creators and they signed my copy but i couldn't find that copy so i had to pick up the omnibus from the the library oh. it just, it's in a box somewhere like a copy that i have signed by one of the creators cool. of the dark the, the the first volume which is what we're going to summarize um for, for this uh and it was uh something that just seeing the art grabbed me where it's like yes. ooh this this is different uh and not just that it's a different kind of story from superhero comics which is the definitely the dominant genre that we see and there is house styles for both marvel and dc mm-hmm. um that we see but this is very distinctive in some ways um it uh not necessarily like the look of it but but even just the shape reminded me of mouse guard where david peterson uh has said like mm-hmm. very distinctly he wanted a square shaped book so it would stand out from all the superheroes uh, stuff when when it came out and this is another square shaped uh publication with a very different art style uh, than what we see from a lot of superheroes uh, being used, particularly in the coloring, which is, it's not quite sepia-toned, but <laughs> just think of that kind of monochromatic, uh, mm-hmm. almost grayish-greenish. Uh, th- 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 throughout, there's there's no colors once we're, well, at any point, but especially in the dark. Uh, there's none of the bright colors that we associate with, like, superhero comic books at all. And it's a beautiful, beautiful rendering style uh, in, in just how... Uh, these things get depicted uh, throughout. So just seeing it and also chatting with one of the creators is, was like immediately Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to purchase this. Mm-hmm. And I've always meant to go back and read read it when it gets completed. And I've checked a few times, but always seen it's not quite done yet. Yeah, so- it's not done yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh but but when i reached out to you to come on the podcast i was like is there any non-superhero uh comic book you want to talk about and one of the ones that you threw out was stuff of legend which immediately i was like oh why haven't we done that on the podcast yes let's do stuff of legend (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right some trivia uh so as we said the first volume is collected uh in it's called the dark and this is actually two uh 56 Page issues, which is actually quite large for comic book. So it was only two issues were collected into the first volume collection that you could find uh, out there, and that was published. In, uh, that collection is in 2010. Then they did a four-issue miniseries that was collected as Volume Two called The Jungle. The next four-issue miniseries was called The Jester's Tale and was collected as Volume Three in 2012. And a five-issue miniseries called The Collector uh, was put uh, out in 2013. And then there's a lag, <laughs> so they get those first four out pretty consistently Mm -hmm. uh about one per year there the fifth volume uh was collected uh and released uh, and it's called a call to arms and that one came out in 2020 uh Uh, so that's where the first bump is Mm -hmm. and they've announced that the final culminating miniseries is going to be called the war but it has not yet begun publication uh but there are four of those volumes and um they connected, collected, I believe, the first three volumes into Omnibus 1 and then the next two into Omnibus 2, so you can get it as two Omnibus editions mm-hmm. right now as well. And then hopefully they will uh, have that final chapter of Stuff of Legends sometime in the near future. Uh, some other trivia, a board game adaptation was successfully Kickstarted and produced. That is always nice to see because you don't always get that combination on Kickstarter. Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. and a film adaptation was announced you did you know there was a film adaptation
1: i knew that i knew that they it had been talked about um, it was announced in 2012 disney was talking about it Mm -hmm. which to me i sort
0: of thought you've already got toy story i mean (laughs) well it was announced as a live action film Uh, in 2012 but it just kind of seems to be in development purgatory at the uh, like i can't find any updates beyond maybe like a production company switch but like not like away from disney but just like you know how different production companies work Mm -hmm. on the production uh, on the way to it being released and distributed by disney um
1: i i i feel like i recall somebody talking about it one time like somebody wanted to to turn it into sort of like a horror movie or something Maybe I'm re- maybe not remembering correctly.
0: Oh, I did not see that when I was looking at trivia, but you know, mm-hmm. it's possible. It's been, a, it's been over a decade that it's been in pseudo production. So <laughs> <laughs> development hell. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it does to me, the thing that it was uh, optioned is a live action. I can see it, but this screams for a Henry Selleck uh, <laughs> stop motion adaptation for me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, At this point, I would fear that a live action would turn into the the quote unquote live action Lion King esque, (laughs) and nobody wants that.
0: Or, I mean, I could also see it being, um, which you know, I'm not super opposed to this. But do you remember when they did the like uh, Sky Captain and the World Tomorrow, where like it was live action, but but also not i I could see it being in there uh and i think that visual could work for this i think it actually works quite well for sky captain in the world tomorrow, oh yeah sky captain is, gr- is, is a great film underrated yeah. film mm-hmm. uh and, and i could see that version of live action but i could also see lots of versions where like i don't know if this feels right <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so i guess we'll see if if we get a version
1: you never know i mean they keep the things that keep happening with uh with graphics and and um you know who knows yeah, maybe at it, some point mm-hmm. i mean because anybody who saw the uh superhero quote superhero films that were being made in the 90s 80s and 90s like justice league and fantastic four um <laughs> wouldn't have imagined where we got to now so you never know
0: <laughs> I, the justice league was a television pilot nicole you gotta
1: <laughs> true true uh okay Yes, it was. But come on. I mean
0: I will say for any listeners who are not aware, uh, there are legendarily bad uh su- superhero productions of a-, a television pilot of Justice League. David which Steers as the looks, Martian Manhunter. I mean, really just like uh, like bicycle suit lycra and spandex level costumes that's it yes. like we're just we, yes. go to the sporting goods store and find a few things that look vaguely like superhero spandex and put them on people <laughs> and we're gonna call that the justice league and there was a fantastic four that was never meant to actually be released it was just for a studio to keep the rights they they had to go into production and so they went into a super low budget production of the fantastic four
1: that was corman wasn't it
0: yeah yeah no. Yes. Uh, But again, like he knew it seems like maybe the actors didn't know, but he knew this was never actually going to get released. This is just we have to make a film to say we made a film so that we can keep the rights to make the real Fantastic Four film in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And both of those could only ever be found as like bootleg VHS at (laughs) Comic-Cons. Like somehow they got mildly out into the wild. And it was legend, you know, this legendary like cult status of like, have you ever actually seen, you know, the the Fantastic Four that was never meant to be seen. Not the ones that were meant to be seen, but maybe shouldn't have been seen, but the one that was legitimately not meant
1: to be <laughs> That's seen. a whole other topic.
0: <laughs> uh, but now I'm pretty sure you can find at least many clips of them on YouTube if you're curious about this.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Uh, anyway, okay. we're talking about the stuff of legend. We we definitely got sidetracked there. So uh, before we go jump into the plot summary, listeners, we want to thank you for downloading this episode, and we especially want to thank any of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are monthly shows in which we talk about the media that we've been consuming that we are not yet covering as full episodes of the podcast. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss on to the spoiler summary all right the stuff of legend and this is going to be volume one the dark in 1944 brooklyn dark tendrils come out of a boy's closet they throw a teddy bear off the bed and also a puppy that is barking at the tendrils then the tendrils wrap around the boy and pull him into the dark toy story style as soon as they are alone the toys in the room come to life Once the boy's gone, they can they can talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, a toy soldier takes charge and announces that he will be going on a rescue mission into the dark for the boy. He asks for volunteers. Uh, an Indian princess, remember this is set in 1944? <laughs> She's just the Indian princess. <laughs> uh, this Indian princess doll volunteers, as does a jack-in-the-box, a teddy bear, and a wooden duck. As the other toys turn to leave, most saying it will be their job to comfort the missing boy's younger brother, the toy soldier, who's called Colonel, calls out to a piggy bank named Percy, and he asks Percy to come along. But Percy very much does not want to. (laughs) But a fairy toy insists that Percy must go, and she will look after him in the dark. So Scout, the puppy, who is not respected by some of the toys, who feel that the dog did not do enough to protect the boy, is also going to go into the dark. So we have the toy soldier called Colonel, the native American toy called princess scout, the puppy, the teddy bear named max, a duck, a wooden duck toy named quackers, a Jack in the box called Jester and a fairy called harmony. And then also the piggy bank named Percy. This is the group that will go into the closet and save the boy. And the closet door closes behind them. Now we cut to them. And this is a great page turn. So we see like all these Mm -hmm. toys on the scale of child's toys go into the closet. and then. Uh, the next page, as you turn, it's a scene of battle and just bodies strewn all around. And then it's this full size bear tearing into soldiers, and uh, the the Jack and the box is, is a gesture wielding these these axes, and uh, you know the the Colonel is uh, has a bayonet and <laughs> and is, and is mm-hmm. shooting someone, and they are just tearing apart this army that was seen to be waiting for them, mm-hmm. and uh, they have changed completely so colonel is now a world war one soldier but he looks exactly like a soldier not a toy and Mm -hmm. the princess looks like i'm just gonna say a pop culture representation of pocahontas you would have seen in the 1940s yep (laughs) max is a gigantic bear so the still
1: with the bow tie though
0: yes a giant bear but wearing the bow tie uh percy is a normal sized pig Mm -hmm. uh jack in the box is like a lanky agile jester but almost like a contortionist the way that his his body moves
1: and and he's got that the mask is sort of creepy
0: yes uh uh, definitely a creepy um oh what what kind of mask would we call it uh why there's a word i'm looking for a revel mask right hmm uh, but it looks like it's made of wood and it, it is definitely creepy. Yeah, the jester is like a, a visually just really interesting looking character. Yes. Harmony looks like a steampunk robot fairy. <laughs> Not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fairy. Uh, but I like the look. I just, I, I like I remember flipping back like, okay, I guess I can see that as the toy that mm-hmm. we had, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see, what else do we have? Uh, Quackers is a real duck, but Scout stays a small puppy.
1: So now he was larger than most of the toys. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, the like the colonel and the prince, those are people. And so yep. he's a puppy in relation to the people.
0: And yeah. Max, the the teddy bear, now mm-hmm. the giant ferocious bear, is the one that most strongly feels like Scout failed in his job to protect the boy. And so now, whereas before, he was disdainful and he was a teddy bear about the same size as the puppy, now it's a giant bear grumbling at at Scout. And I feel yeah. so bad for the puppy. I know.
1: He's so, they're so mean. Him and Quackers are so mean to Scout.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. They're fighting what seemed to be humanized toy soldiers like colonel but from different eras of war <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's just like different kids like, toy sets uh and soldiers but there's also like cowboys and there's a baseball player running around and a centurion
1: there too. and and a you know yeah. uh, french revolutionary you know yeah. kind of
0: yeah there's there's all sorts of uh interesting soldiers that they are fighting and this battle it's no it no longer feels like toys like they're it's not gory but there's blood right like mm-hmm. the, the jester swinging his axes they are covered with not red blood because it's all monochromatic uh but it's clearly he has wounded people with those and same mm-hmm. with princess's knives and um and uh the bayonet you know has blood on it so it's it's not like gratuitously gratuitously gory, but it is very different than toys fighting each other, which is maybe what you were anticipating when you, when you start the series. Um, Let's see, so the Army is going to retreat in the face of an unexpected strong you know unexpectedly strong battle from mm-hmm. uh, this group of toys. uh Colonel is going to send Quackers ahead to scout where what the enemy is up to. uh Max is worried for his friend, you said Max and Quackers are the worst, but they do have a nice bond <laughs> with, with each other yes. Uh, the group realizes that Percy is not around, so Colonel goes to look for him. Percy has been found by the Boogeyman, who taunts Percy about the fact that the boys. The boy plans to break Percy open to get the money out of him. Boogeyman asks Percy to help him, but before Percy can respond, Colonel finds them. Uh, and Boogeyman and Colonel are going to have a fight. But the Boogeyman rips Colonel in half, and Colonel dies. <laughs> and it, it's... uh. The colonel is dead. (laughs) The the, the art does not give you any doubt uh, about this. Uh, And then uh, they hear the rest of the group approaching. So the boogeyman offers Percy a bloody coin saying he will give him more. If Percy delays the group's rescue efforts, Percy eats the coin. And the boogeyman disappears, and the friends find him and the colonel's body. Lamenting the loss of Colonel, the group decides to continue on to rescue the boy. Soon they come to the land of hopscotch, which looks like a Candyland board game, and I'm sure everything will go well there, but that's where we're going to stop our summary. Okay. Um do you have any initial thoughts about Stuff of Legends, Nicole?
1: Well, as I said, I, you know, my I I was remembering like, man, you know, Max and Quackers are just really rude to 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 scout because I mean we see the dog get thrown out, but it's all just jealousy because the first thing that Max is grumbling about is that the dog was on the bed, so he wasn't mm-hmm. right.
0: Um, and in Max's mind, he would have protected the boy, though we see the tendrils throw Max across the room too.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, and I think it's um, it's uh you know, like you said, they convince, sort of convince Percy to come and and the colonel is saying, you know, you're we we need your smarts. But then you know, sort of the question of of his weakness. Um I think one of the things that I was initially really interested about with the whole thing is sort of the difference between the toy and the realization of that toy in the fantasy world. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, you came to life because it wasn't that simple. Right. It, it, it seems a little bit more complex than that to me, because like you said, I mean, we didn't just get a teddy bear who walks. Max is now this ferocious mm-hmm. bear. Right. And um the, you know, the, the fairy, doesn't become a person she's still sort of this weird kind of like you said sort of steampunk robot fairy but the colonel and the princess became real and scout stays as he is so i you know that was one of the things too that i thought was um interesting and i think that that becomes more important later on as the story goes of the how you see yourself mm-hmm. affects how you appear in this realm,
0: yeah, I love this idea of of the dark, which mm-hmm. they just call the dark, like like there's something that's so simple where it's like, yes. I don't need more mythology about the boogeyman <laughs> coming from the dark. It's just the boogeyman mm-hmm. has a realm, and it's called the dark, mm-hmm. and uh in the dark, things are different
1: <laughs> well, and it's very simple because that's what when you're a kid and you're afraid of the dark mm-hmm. i mean that's that's what it is so
0: yeah um and one thing that stood out for me is just unexpected tone uh throughout mm-hmm. this and it's it never feels gratuitous or um it never feels uh like the wrong choice is just not what i was expecting uh whether it's that first page turn where it's like oh they're these are now like the bear is almost a monster in a battle. Uh, and the Jack in the Box is this creepy, contorted jester figure that is mm-hmm. killing people. Uh, mm-hmm. It works completely. And again, not gratuitous in, in the gore. It's just not toy soldiers, you know, uh, on the boy's bedsheet mm-hmm. <laughs> at all that we see. But also the tone shifts when the colonel dies. I was not expecting mm-hmm. that. no. Uh, mm-hmm. So so before we started recording, you're like, so your your podcast is a protagonist podcast. Who's the protagonist of the story? <laughs> I I don't know because mm-hmm. we're set up kind of as like the the colonel is the captain, uh, you mm-hmm. know, that's going to go save the day. And at the end of this first chapter of the story, he has been killed. <laughs> well, in yeah, not in a way me, that feels like the comic book death of oh he'll get better.
1: No, and even I mean at the end of the you know the next issue, you know when she she the Harmony is has opened the pack and she finds the colonel's journal mm-hmm. and it you know, he's written all these notes about the various people and what we're going to do and and you're kinda like, okay, yeah, is this Oh, wait a minute. No, it's not. But he's gone. So it's not his story.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Right?
0: Yeah. Um and I think that was a really good way to set up stakes for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, it, we, we saw a battle, uh, but now the stakes have been raised because in that battle, our heroes had kind of like the, uh, you know, the, the Luke Han and Chewie against the stormtroopers feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where-
1: yes. Well, and Percy had been injured, right. Mm-hmm. Bef- I mean, in the battle, that's part of why he was sort of went off to the side and, wanted to go away is because he had already gotten injured
0: Mm -hmm. um and and so yeah we we see that one injury and then we see a full-on death uh that Mm -hmm. happens that says oh okay uh you know and, and they had given us enough to like about the colonel that it didn't feel like the red shirt sacrifice to establish stakes uh Mm -hmm. uh, you know Mm -hmm. star trek lore where okay you know kirk spock and and mccoy they're gonna be fine uh but any security details they're expendable uh this was kirk (laughs) getting (laughs) killed in the pilot essentially and so i think it's a really strong narrative choice just to kind of uh keep keep us on our toes as readers uh Mm -hmm. and i had gotten enough of the colonel that I felt somewhat invested and uh, you know, like he was going to be uh, at least a centerpiece of the story, if if not the heart of the story. Um, And and then that gets taken away and it's like, Oh, well, now I'm curious about what, what's going to be next. (laughs) You know, what's, what's going to come and how is this all going to unfold? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and as he, as he, you know, the boogeyman, as he kills the, the Colonel, he literally rips him in half. Mm-hmm. but there's sort of in the in the panels there's like this sort of swirling mist that he kind of almost breathes in right from the kernel and yeah, afterwards he's exhausted the boogeyman is exhausted from from doing it
0: mhm
1: right so almost like i mean it also also to me sort of sets up the okay because there's got to be a reason that the boogeyman needs the boy and there's got to be something else going on. And now just now it's almost like he's taking the essence of the Colonel.
0: Yes. And the, and the boogeyman, uh, he has this cloak that looks kind of like smoke and has, but it's also fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, there, there's stuff floating off the top of the, the cloak, almost like flames, but it also fe- feels cause it's all black. It feels smoky. Uh, and as you said, uh, I thought it, it, looked, it
1: looked almost, almost like grease. Like mm-hmm. oily, like stuff dropping off of it.
0: But it's dropping Car. upwards. Like like the the look is flame, but yes, yeah. the the texture almost feels like that. I, I mm-hmm. like that description uh, of it. Um, and when he rips Colonel apart, it's like magical fairy dust is, and smoke is spilling out mm-hmm. uh, of the two halves. And as you said, we see the boogeyman he kind of breathe some of it in but then he says that was a bit more exhausting than i expected as he's hunched over and and looks exhausted and you know tired mm-hmm. uh from this and again like uh I, to me this is a story that i don't need like a complex magic system to explain how everything works oh no, no.
1: uh
0: but that's just giving you hints of okay there's strengths and weaknesses to these characters there are stakes mm-hmm. the life and death uh for even the, these toys uh you know that are, that are on this mission and. Uh, you know whatever's going on with the boogeyman here is likely going to have to come up because we know there's going to be more encounters with the boogeyman uh, that yep. that that are going to be coming, and so we're getting some hints, but it's not like uh you know the complexity of uh you know a a high fantasy novel where you know our our, our main characters go to school and you know, we get walked through all the rules of magic for eight chapters you know, <laughs> of the story or anything like that.
1: Well, I it it respects the reader that. We don't have to know right now. We can mm-hmm. just go along with it that, like you said, it's, okay, something magic's going on, and I assume it will be explained eventually.
0: Yeah, if if it's necessary for the plot. But also, I'm comfortable, if it's not necessary for us to understand, like, the plot of how they take down the boogeyman, I don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just enough, like, okay, they're in a magical world called the Dark. Yep. And then there's some weird stuff going on. Uh, and... Uh the amount that I've read, I think I've read, I read the next two volumes at one point, but years ago. So I don't remember in details, but I remember always feeling like this is a, this is a good world that's being built. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and they're giving me exactly what I need to be able to understand and enjoy uh, the, the story that, that I'm being given, mm-hmm. which world building can be extremely tricky. Uh, yes. it, it can be very hard in um, fantasy settings to To avoid the urge to, like, explain everything because you have to have it all laid out. Mm-hmm. Uh, or because you've lived in the world, fantasy world for so long, you forget what the reader doesn't know. Sometimes it feels <laughs> like for, yes. for storytellers and you, you don't give enough information. I think the balance here is, is being struck pretty well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yeah.
0: And so much of it is being carried by these gorgeous visuals. I cannot rave enough about the, the oh, yeah. unique style yeah. of yeah. how this looks and uh, the... the
1: Charles Paul Wilson the third illustrator. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: and there's times where, um, like the backgrounds are hyper detailed. So like, there's a scene, like the scene where the boy is being pulled into the closet. Like, you see all the grains of wood of the floor as he's being pulled, uh, you know, across it, and you get a lot of detail uh, within that. But then, just like the page before, as the puppy's being thrown, it's like mm-hmm. into empty space, uh, mm-hmm. and. You know that 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 mix and those choices, I think, are are being executed so well to give us um, both the world and and like the the concrete reality of the world, but then also like the abstract feeling. Uh, you know, for the like the puppy being thrown into nothingness, mm-hmm. when really it's just you know going across the room. I, I think the, um, you know the the artist is rendering things in ways that that feel right, even if like. it might be like, where'd the background or the details go? It's like, well, we don't need them right here.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, Do you have of the group, and you can include the colonel, do you have a favorite? Uh, And and I know you've read more of it than just this first volume, but do you have a favorite of these group of heroes that are trying to go save the boy?
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, part of me wants to say, you know, scout, because... I'm a dog person, but.
0: <laughs> um, now, uh, I was just say, uh, like all the other toys and everything, they talk and everything, even in the dark, Scout does not suddenly start talking like a human well, and give us an inner monologue to explain his motivations. Or And that's the
1: thing that that you that we see, like later on, where it says is someone makes a comment about, you know, is the silly animal that the animal doesn't change in the dark. Mm-hmm. The toys change, but the animal still just an animal. Mm-hmm. Right, so that in this magical world it it doesn't have the same effect right yeah um i I admit i like um i like I like the ladies, I like harmony the the steampunk robot fairy mm-hmm. <laughs> right um and the princess and uh and the princess, because I mean that's like one of those small things that we get when they're when they're fighting right when they're 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 having the big fight and we get the comments in the background is it her the Mm -hmm. princess question mark while someone while one of the soldiers is saying help us you coward redskins um and and then a you know a couple later a couple, you know, a few pages later, it was um, our Indian comrades have withdrawn for darkness only knows what reason. So that it's setting up that this princess who, you know, we find out that we see from a, you know, from a flashback that she was basically served as the damsel in distress when the boy was playing with his toys that they need to go rescue the princess that she is going to have more more power in the dark she's a skilled fighter i mean we we rarely see her talk but she's still she's still a badass
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes and like she's uh in in the action scenes which Mm -hmm. it's uh only really a few pages of battle uh that that Mm -hmm. we get she's very prominent uh, yes, in them, uh, you know, she gets a couple of solo panels uh, during the fight. And uh, as the, the double page spread where we first enter this world and we see them, we see them all fighting uh, the way that it, our eyes track across the page is really you get the colonel. The uh, is the first character on the left mm-hmm. that you're going to see in his angry face, but then she has a very prominent space in, where her body's flying through this negative space uh, mm-hmm. up above. Is, is the next character that we track, and then you c- go across and you see the the duck and the the bear. Uh, are, you notice also
1: she's smiling.
0: Yes, in in the midst of of battle, <laughs> yeah. and then you can almost for a moment lose the jester because uh, he's down in the mass of people at the bottom right uh, mm-hmm. of the page, mm-hmm. and so really she's probably the figure that stands out the most uh, on this. And because of the the way the masses are, you can almost lose the kernel as like, which, which side is he on? But there's something that's uh, been so distinctive about about her as the toy. There's no mm-hmm. doubt. This is one of our heroes uh, mm-hmm. when you see her on that two-page but yep.
1: And then, you know, when when the jester, the the princess is just the thing about, you know, is it her, the princess? And she has just dispatched two guys Mm -hmm. and the gesture you really should stay back my lady this fighting does not become one as gloriously beautiful as yourself and where she did have a smile on her face as soon as he says that we get that bubble of him saying the fighting does not become one as gloriously beautiful as yourself underneath the picture of her giving him a dirty look
0: just scowling at him
1: <laughs> which i love
0: <laughs> and and she's smiling in the panel right before so it is yes. absolutely not like oh the heat of battle is getting to her it is she's angry at this comment like the pacing yes. of of that uh is really skilled comic booking uh mm-hmm. that's being done the combination mm-hmm. of the art and the writing uh leaves you no doubt as to like the way her face has changed in the gutter in that space between those two panels and the way the word balloons are laid out because you no doubt what is making her face change that way yes yes um, who was your favorite character there's something about the visual of the jester that just fascinates me it's a mm-hmm. mix of uh, stripes and checkers and just flailing uh, uh, he's got this neck piece that just kind of flails around him <laughs> in a weird way and then you said the kind of creepy mask and he's got uh, this super long nose um, I do think he, he must be a terrible pain to draw Because he has like striped leggings and then checkerboard (laughs) uh, shirt, Um, I don't feel like I I could like really, I you know describe his character from what we get so far in this, Mm -hmm. but just he's visually fascinating to me, Uh, and and the way that he uh, like when they draw him in battle, it does feel like like a a circus contortionist uh, is you know, it, it's mm-hmm. going across, uh, the battlefield to me. And, and so I like that, uh, dynamic. Um, Percy, I mean, the immediate thought for Percy, the pig is Edmund, oh. <laughs> right? there's <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's a bloody coin in this. It's Turkish delight in that, uh, you know, in, in the Chronicles of Darnia. Uh, yes. but like, I, I see what character we're, we're working with here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, with Edmund. So like you, you, loathe him and and it's like oh you're the worst but also it's like you're probably gonna be a hero in the end (laughs) you're Mm -hmm. you're gonna probably gonna do something that makes it worthwhile that the colonel because it's not just that he turns on the group when tempted by the boogeyman like he literally didn't want to be there but the colonel saw something like the colonel had a reason Mm -hmm. to bring him and we've got enough trust in the colonel's leadership skills even though he's dead by the end of this issue but rest in peace colonel uh, that there's a reason that he knew we needed Percy. Uh well Oh go ahead.
1: I was gonna say and and you feel for Percy because and they discuss this, the point is is that the other toys remain toys, but when Percy it you know, when the boy outgrows the toy, you know, it'll go on a shelf or something. But the end point for Percy as a piggy bank is literally to be broken. Mm -hmm. So his his stake, the way the the boogeyman basically sort of plays on that to him, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's not just a fear of being set aside, it's I will be broken in the
0: end. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the other toys talk about okay, we need to go comfort the brother but even for Percy, it's like, well I'm carrying his inheritance <laughs> and there's yes. the weight of and therefore <laughs> mm-hmm. i need to be around so they can break me to get his inheritance out mm-hmm. um that you that that you feel and there are the, the the one panel where the man is feeding percy the the bloody coin mm-hmm. um it, i mean it does i it, i mean you get turkish delight uh you know and because it it's something that's being consumed but also because of the coin you get the 30 pieces of silver for judas iscariot yep. you know there, there's so much that gets loaded into that that simple imagery uh of uh betrayal uh with this yes. and then uh you know the boogeyman he he doesn't run away he just kind of disappears <laughs> as the group is coming mm-hmm. which is another little uh interesting idea of like okay what exactly are they fighting here uh with with, with the boogeyman? Mm-hmm. it is a delightfully creepy design that they gave the boogeyman
1: yes yes and his last um as you're saying how, how he sort of disappears in the last panel it's the tree that he had been sitting in to watch the battle and sort of drop down it's almost like he went back up into the tree and the speech balloon is fading against the tree Mm-hmm. yeah
0: and just says, uh, like you, you have to pull the book up and like squint at it. Yeah, uh, like they, they made yes. it so it's not impossible to read, but it's also not easy to read. But the mm-hmm. the speech balloon says, "More riches, riches can be yours." Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's you know this this kind of like you, you can almost because it, it's so strange because it's visual, it's strictly visual, but you hear the voice fading away yes. as you look at it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it is this wonderful blend of you know the the visual of comics and uh, and the way that we consume stories and we consume so many stories through television and through film where there's this visual element. Uh, but you can, you, the, the visual creates this aural aspect uh, to, to, to the words in a really skillful way. Something that I, I don't see deployed uh, super often. And whenever I do see something like that, it kind of stands out. Like I still remember, I think there's a, I want to say it's in Scott Pilgrim uh, that there's one, a sequence of panels where they're they're talking to each other in like a, a smoothie place and the blender turns on and the whir sound goes over the word balloons uh and so like <laughs> someone's talking and then like the word balloon is gone as the whir sound comes from the blender and then the next panel is just back to normal mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was like oh that's clever yeah um any other uh, highlights for this that you want to make sure we note in terms of uh, tone, storytelling, uh, themes that you see developing?
1: Um, well, there, there, um, the, some of the, the, I, I guess that the choice of which things to take, I found interesting, mm-hmm. right? Because okay. we have the toy soldier, the Jack in the box, you know, the two sort of like action figures of, you know, the princess and the fairy and the piggy bank and the stuffed bear. And then it's the duck. <laughs> That's the one that sort of stuck out to me as kind of an interesting choice. It's one of those old toys that you would pull on the string because it was the duck, it had wheels, right? And mm-hmm. like the head would bob up and down. and And I was... I was kind of intrigued by that choice. Um,
0: yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Now, the, once once they're in and they see, uh, like, they use Quackers as a scout. It's like, okay, well, that makes yes. sense uh, mm-hmm. there. Now, <laughs> Quackers, but is the fairy in that has wings too. That we ha- that we see, but it's just kind of flying above the fray. <laughs> the,
1: the fairy has wings too, but mm-hmm. we don't see her flying.
0: Yeah, and uh, I I can't remember uh, in the future chapters uh, if we do see that, but it feels like mm-hmm. something that it's like okay, what?
1: Maybe.
0: It, you know I imagine there's plans for every one of these characters to mm-hmm. have time to shine, right? And yeah. and uh, to give us the reason. And again, the colonel seems to be uh, you know accepting volunteers, but also has some specifics as to mm-hmm. who the colonel wants. And so it's like okay, uh, I see it. And like in the toys that get left behind, there's like a stuffed elephant and uh there's a cat thing and there's there's one of the drumming monkeys that could have been Mm -hmm. fun to have the little drum monkey Mm -hmm. (laughs) wind wind up thing uh but it like uh, yeah i agree it's kind of interesting what do we have and why and because this is only an opening chapter we don't necessarily get you know the full explanation as Mm -hmm. to what the colonel saw in them or what their role is going to be but one thing that i love in these kind of ensemble adventure uh stories is the idea of um Okay, every everyone here is going to have a moment, you know, yes. to, to shine, yes. uh, where they they're going to be the hero of this this aspect of the story. Okay, um,
1: so now you said ensemble moment. And all of a sudden, my brain starts figuring out. Okay, so if they were D and D classes, this one would be the rogue. This one would be the tank. <laughs> Sorry, um, I mean it.
0: It does. I mean, now that you say it, I can see this as like being inspired by kind of a uh the rhythm of a D&D campaign.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right where okay, we've gone into the dark. Now we're going to the town of Hopscotch, which is our candy land. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh you know, uh well diversion. that's their,
1: that where they go into the into the dungeon, right? That's their mm-hmm. dungeon uh uh thing where they have to figure out and def- you know, figure out the the puzzles and 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 defeat the the boss, right?
0: yeah uh-huh oh absolutely yeah it is the puzzles isn't it <laughs> and, and but then they're gonna you know then you move on and it is it is kind of uh i, I think that kind of storytelling if it's too compressed it can feel, start to feel disjointed mm-hmm. but when it breathes in this kind of episodic fashion of mm-hmm. mini series that are being collected into volumes i think it it's actually maybe the right choice is to do that kind of uh uh you know now we're entering the next Level, of, yes. Of the story.
1: I I like that they were longer. Like you said, they were like you know fifty six page issues. You know that not the the form of comics with the usual the you know the twenty two page. Well, know, now monthly, twenty, isn't
0: it? Hasn't it gone down?
1: Has it gone down? Yeah. I
0: think I think it may be down uh-huh. to twenty now. Yeah.
1: Well,
0: but they're still keeping down, the same number down. of pages. Anyway, it's just there's um, more ads. I think. <laughs>
1: Um, but I mean that comparatively speaking, I mean, it is, it, 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 it does compress the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. That like you said, this gives it more time to breathe and to follow things through that if, that if they'd only had, if they'd only had, yeah. you know, uh, they would had a shorter number of pages, they would have had to get into the dark faster,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? That, it 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 wouldn't it would have had to go faster right
0: yeah and i love uh like it doesn't feel like it's plotting uh until they enter the dark it's the right amount <laughs> of story and time mm-hmm. spent uh i mean there's very little setup about like this boy's family life or anything it's just really uh you know you find out that he's got a brother that's probably left uh and mm-hmm. you know go sleep with mom and you you're going to find out that his dad is at war mm-hmm. um But you know, there's no real establishing of this world. It's just tendrils come out of the closet and take the boy, and now the heroes are going to be off. But it is. I'm trying to count. It's like 20 pages of the story. I mean, Uh, that could have
1: been a. It could have been an issue on its own, right? But then that's all that we would have had, and as opposed to like you said, you know, the next one, the 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 battle, and then you know, then. In that section, we get we get that little flashback where we learn about the boy being, you know, um, uh, playing with his toys while mm-hmm. his father and the letter from his father because his father's at war and you know all of that. So,
0: I just counted; it is a full twenty pages of comic that come before it says Chapter One: The Battle of Brooklyn Creek, which is yeah. this fight scene uh, that we get into. Mm-hmm. So it's like twenty pages of prologue, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. you know, preceding. You know probably about you know about twice that of the battle um you know for this what what's gonna be the first issue that's gonna come out um
1: I will say I remember that um uh when I was reading this, you know Percy as the the pig mm-hmm. his sort of wimpiness you know reminding me strongly of Wilbur mhm, <laughs> but um in i don't know Wilbur was always a little bit annoying to me <laughs> uh, i mean he was better in the book in in the film
0: he, are you talking about the the animated film the yeah uh oh what year was that animated film
1: i don't know um uh, did they do it did they do like a live action one
0: of that they one they did do a live action one with <sighs> well you know live action uh oh who who was it in the hold on a second let's see so 1973 animated film yeah uh, and then the 2003 direct video <laughs> Charlotte's web 2 Wilbur's Great adventure oh well yeah uh, and then yes uh one of the fannings was the lead in a 2006 Paramount Pictures adaptation well the human girl lead Dakota Fanning uh, and Julia Roberts was the voice of Charlotte in in that live action adaptation oh Okay. Well, hmm. anyway, Wilbur, you Whatever. were saying. <laughs> Percy and Wilbur.
1: <laughs> um so I, I'm I don't know. I guess I was kind of like, huh, I guess our our pigs more pigs are more interesting than I thought as as characters. Um
0: <laughs> not that
1: I'm biased because, you know, zodiacally speaking, um I'm, you know, my Chinese Zodiac would be the pig or the boar. I like to say the boar just because, you know, it's a little bit more
0: uh, cool. I mean, it is interesting that I mean it's inevitable that you're gonna make a, a references to Toy Story, right? That mm-hmm. you know, Toy Story mm-hmm. also has the piggy bank that goes on on the adventure. Yes, uh, there just you know a snarky comedic relief, which is half of the group in Toy Story. It's just their <laughs> snarky comedic relief. But he's much,
1: but he is much more comic relief in that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Percy is. I don't know. I haven't. I mean, as you said, the story isn't done, and I haven't read. I only have the first two. Uh, right the first two volumes so Mm -hmm. i do sort of wonder i feel kind of like is percy gonna get redeemed or is he gonna get
0: i mean the classic arc is the edmund arc but they could be subverting that and making you expect that to come
1: well because if you i mean if we if we talk about like the velveteen you know the velveteen rabbit or something right and the idea that you know eventually you could become real if you've You know, you serve your purpose long enough and they love you, you know, enough. But if Percy's embracing his purpose, his purpose is to be broken. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is what the piggy bank does. Yeah. Right. So if you don't, are you really being who you all you can being what you should be right fulfilling right. your purpose. you know
0: you've, you've been created for yeah. a specific purpose are you going so to fulfill so that?
1: that's why i was sort of i'm kind of back and forth onto whether or not he will you know redeem himself and be fine or if acceptance of his breaking will become part of his
0: arc mm-hmm All right, Nicole. Do you have any final thoughts about *Stuff of Legend* or anything you would tell our listeners about it?
1: I well, I I I do recommend it. I mean, it is a little frustrating because, like you said, it sort of dropped off, (laughs) and now we don't know. I'm, you know, I feel a little skeptical of are we going to get the are we going to get the last part or not? Yeah, but um, but it is it's and and like you said joe the the art the art is gorgeous i mean it is it's it's an interesting it takes the an idea that I think is very common that kids think about all the time, what if my toys could come to life and it and it does something really interesting with it,
0: yeah, and it also combines it with that childlike fear of the dark and mm-hmm. uh you know the the monster in the closet uh you know kind- kind of feeling and um, it'll be interesting to find out what, uh, you know. I, again, I have, it may already be addressed. Maybe they found the boy and they just haven't got him out of the dark or something in a future run. But what is the boy <laughs> making of all of this? I do wonder that. <laughs> like, yes. Is he conscious of this? Is he asleep? Uh, you know, why does and-
1: he? Why does the boogeyman need this boy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But at the same time, it's like the boogeyman took a boy. It's like, well, okay, that that makes sense. That's the. <laughs> That that doesn't feel out of line for the boogeyman, no. Uh, but but no. I do have that question of like, what specifically about this boy or about taking a boy is valuable to the boogeyman?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Nicole, for coming onto the podcast. Is there anything you'd like oh. to plug?
1: Um, not at the moment. Okay.
0: Um. I know you float around some other podcast appearances. Uh, you've done the Vox podcast and some mm-hmm. other things, but
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, so maybe was, next time. Maybe next yeah, time. Well, I'll have of course, something ready to. I'll have something ready to plug. Uh a friend of mine, we're we have a podcast who we want to uh we want to get started. So maybe
0: and, next and time. And of course you're a regular on ground pod day. So there is Yes.
1: A- yes. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, know,
0: pe-
1: you know. Periodic. It's yeah. I've been doing it for so long, I can't even yeah. remember. <laughs> when I started. It's hard to keep track Yeah.
0: Alright, well that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice. and Please leave us a review, that really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Tofty who composed our theme music. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long. looks like it's recording to me does it look that way to you
1: Mm -hmm. yes okay